In the rhythm of church life, September is like the beginning of the year, not January. So September is the time like we reestablish connections, reestablish a direction, reestablish relationships, because you know how summer is in Alaska. <laughs> kind of crazy, kind of cool, kind of crazy. Some people are still out hunting moose. I'll be out there in a week and a half. I'm looking forward to that. But for the most part, people back into a structure, and so September begins the beginning of a new year, and this is what we're calling Vision Sunday, to just kind of cast vision, help you know what's in our hearts, how you can engage with us. Vince Lombardi is a football coach, a very famous, successful football coach. Any Green Bay Packers fans in the room? That was a little whoop. <laughs> anyway, he would start every year. He was a famous coach and took his teams to the championship many times. But he'd take out the football say, let's start at the basics. Gentlemen, this is a football. And then he'd just talk about a little bit about the basics of their culture and their heart as the Green Bay Packers. And, and I'm going to start off talking just about the basic heart of Northgate. And then Carla's going to come up and give some specifics on how we move together towards the goal of heaven over Northgate family. I want to talk about the why. And if you've been here for very long, you've heard our vision statement, and many of you can actually state it, right? Why Northgate exists. We exist so that what? Every, every heart is healed, every family is made whole, and every nation is transformed by the love of the Father. We know that God, because of the, how he sent his son, has in his mind the desire to adopt children, people, men and women, into his family. And we know it was his love that compelled him to send his one and only son from John 3.16, for God so loved you, loved me, loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes on him would not perish but have everlasting life. So there is this conviction that Northgate family has that every person, no matter their past or their present, is a candidate, a target, for the love of the Father expressed through the gospel of Jesus Christ. We also live with the conviction that when God decided he was going to invade the chaos that Satan had made on the earth, it didn't start with Jesus Christ. It started with the family unit. As he commissioned Adam and Eve, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue, and rule over it. So when God decided to bring his dominion, his order to earth, he started with the family unit. He says, you are going to be fruitful, and your family, Abraham, you're Adam and Eve, you're going to take over the planet with the goodness of the Father. You're going to replicate heaven's government, which is family. So we as Northgaters, we recognize and have this conviction that the family unit is God's plan to destroy the works of the devil. I got one amen. And so, why is it then that, I mean, this should be evident to us, that the battle on the planet, if you could boil it down to one thing, it's over the health of the family. So we work really hard to build healthy marriages and help parents learn how to raise up godly children because that is the hope of the planet, is the healthy family unit, is the hope of churches, is the hope of society. And then, we know that the Lord, when he commissioned his disciples, which we're part of, he said, go into all the world and make, somebody knows it, 
Make disciples of all nations and baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to do all that I've commanded you to do. And you're not alone. I'll be with you to the end of the age. And so we recognize that the Father had in his mind the whole planet would be touched from Northgate. That we would have a, a, a voice in the nations of the world because and the power and the force behind our influence is not just doctrine, but it's a love, an agape, a love of the Father that changes and shapes history. So Northgate is our mandate as a people, as individuals, as a family, to proclaim and demonstrate, turn to your neighbor and say demonstrate, and demonstrate the perfect love of the Father to an orphan planet. That is the why of Northgate. I'm going to share an illustration of a man who was impacted by this love of the Father. He was a pastor. I think it's important to understand that this is a pastor. Because how many of you know you can be born again and adopted in God's family, but still need a whole lot of healing? You need no, more introductions to the Father's love and the truth of the gospel over and over in increasing measure until we become like him. And this is a pastor who wrote to me after we returned from Uganda. He says, greetings from Uganda. I delayed to write to you because I rarely have access to the internet. And also my daughter escaped from home, so it's been a very rough ride. But God is faithful. Please read my testimony to my brothers and sisters at Northgate. While you were ministering, I was baptized by the Heavenly Father's love, an experience that I had never had in my life. Having lost my father at three and having been abused by my brothers and other men, I did not know how to be a father, and I never wanted to have children, yet I did. Through your teaching and your time with us, I was introduced to a whole new world. I now love myself. I forgave and released my father. I've apologized to my children and am learning to care and love my children as the father loves me. Because of these reasons, I know that my daughter ran away because I did not know how to love, because I did not know how I was loved. Join me in prayer for her. This is an encounter with the Father's love that is, in essence, the why of Northgate. So could you stand? I want to pray over each one of you and invite God to touch you again and again and again and again with the Father's love, to take you from glory to glory in the revelation of your importance to your Creator. Close your eyes and let me just pray. Father, I thank you for every single person in this room. You know them by name. Before they were, you had a dream that included them. And Lord, I pray today, again and again and again, Lord, that they would encounter the perfect love of the Father. That their performance is not what you're looking for. Just their belief and their reception of your love. And I speak over them that I know what you feel about them. I pleased with you. I love you. I've chosen you. You're mine. And I just invite you, Father, to bless each one with the river of living water. The river of living water that would go into them and flow through them. 
In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, you may be seated. Carla, and uh, we have spent some time just working out the how, and she's going to share that. Thank you, Dennis. So yeah, when Dennis shared our vision statement, and he, he did, he shared the why. Why do we exist? And that's why is a great question to be able to ask. But there's another logical question that flows when you look at that vision statement, right? How? How are you going to do that? So that's my goal here this morning is to share with you the how. And it means that this morning is going to look a little different. It means that I'm going to get quite practical this morning. I'm going to give you quite a lot of information. We've got four short videos that we're going to play, and I'm going to try and do my best to give you the details of the how and how it's going to impact you and this family over the next year. So can I ask you something? Okay, because first service, I gave them a lot of information, and they all kind of sat and looked at me like this. So when you see or hear something that you feel excited or enthusiastic about, can you like show me some enthusiasm? Yeah, in fact, Hope, Hope, how about you demonstrate what enthusiasm looks like? Yeah, say something like that. Just say a little bit of enthusiasm that I know that you're absorbing the information as I give it to you, right? Okay, that would help me a lot. So... You know, when we look at that vision statement and you kind of, man, there's some big words in there like every and all, right? And you're like, well, man, how are you going to do that? How are you going to go after that? And, and what I have to say is it means that we get intentional about building first steps. And we get intentional about pointing ourselves in a direction and just beginning to piece by piece by piece build towards something. And you know, there's a scripture in Proverbs 29 that says, without vision, the people cast off restraint. So what that means is that when you've got no vision for your life, or if we have no vision for our family, there's no borderlines that define your yeses and your noes. So just out all over the place doing whatever. And that's true in church life as well. There are a lot of good things that we could be doing. There are a lot of things that this valley needs. But If we, without a serious sense of vision and intentionality towards that, we need to know what our powerful yes is so that we also have a powerful no. And so what we have really felt in this last year was it was time to get very, very intentional as a Northgate family about what is it that we are going to invest our time and energy into building so that we know what all our yeses are pointed towards and for what reason. And so as what happened is at kind of at the end of the last school year, and this has been a process that had been developing since earlier than that, but the elders at one point sat down with our prophetic words, the words that exist over Northgate, it's quite a file of them, and our staff sat down at a different time, and and we really looked through the words, and we highlighted, and we looked, and we were like, man, what are the consistent things that God has been saying over Northgate? What are the things that we felt like have been fulfilled? What are the things that we feel like are yet to be fulfilled? What are the things we feel like are for now? And what are the things we feel like are for a different time? And we've been in this process of just prayer and seeking the Lord over what is it, like if we're going to put our energy into building something, what is it going to be? 
And out of that season, and I have to give credit to the staff because summer changes the rhythm for church life. And you think in some ways, because you know we uh, our evening service schedule and we do things a little bit different, and it would look like it gets easier. But in the summer is when we really wrestled through some of this stuff. And we're like, man, we want to come strong into a new school year. And so out of that season, we really came clear with we have three focused areas in which we are to point ourselves intentionally to build. Those are presence, discipleship, and mission to our community. And we're going to explain a little bit more of the heartbeat behind that through video, and then I'm going to explain the details of what that means. But I thought what was really important to point out was that once we really got into that, Mariah, she oversees our discipleship, and she's been really studying discipleship. And she's like, Carla, those three things are the pattern for a Jesus-shaped life. And if you've got the diagram up there, so the, really was what, she, what we just suddenly came back to realize is if you, you know, our goal as followers is to become like Jesus, right? Our goal as followers is to become like Jesus, right? Because if we don't have that goal, then I need to do a different message. And when you look at Jesus' life in the Gospels, you'll see this rhythm from his life. One is the importance and priority of connection that he had with his father. Right? You know that he said, I only say what I hear the Father saying and I do what I see the Father doing. Everything he did came from this heartbeat of connection with his Father. That was core to who he was. But then out of that is it was his investment with his disciples. And so often in the pattern of Scripture, you can see Jesus say, go up the mountain to pray. And he may spend all night up the mountain. And then what does he do when he comes down? He goes and he seeks out his disciples. And he teaches them. And he invests in them. And it's so, I think, when you start looking for it in the Gospels, you see over and over again Jesus teaching his disciples, this is what the Father is like. This is what the kingdom is like. And then he activates them to be able to do what he does. And I've heard it said that 50% of Jesus' time in public ministry was spent investing in his disciples. 50%. And then his other third investment was in the world around. You You see as he goes from place to place, the pull on his heart for broken and hurting people. Over and over, moved with compassion, he steps in and answers the need of the moment. And so this is the pattern of what we're looking to intentionally build into our church family. And so I really want to get, instead, I, I could so easily teach on each of those things, but instead of diving into each of them, I just want to practically go, okay, you know what? If we intentionally invest into these things in 2019 and 2020 with the beginning first steps, We're going to create a platform on which we can build for three years, five years, 10 years, and begin to look into the future. So thank you. I like your enthusiasm. So I'm going to look at presence first. And so we want to introduce the heartbeat behind that with the video. First and foremost, the defining trait of God's family is his presence. Therefore, we choose to live our lives and pursue Him in relationship 
that his glory, his presence, his power would be manifest in our lives and through our lives. We know from scripture that the heartbeat of God is to find a people with whom he may dwell. From walking with them in the garden, to designing the tabernacle in the wilderness, the temple in the city, to even sacrificing his only son so that we could be a holy people, that people set apart for him. So we in turn echo back to God, we must have you, we must know you, increase the rule and the reign of your kingdom in our lives. A great privilege as believers is to know God, not just intellectually, but to know him experientially. We do not want God in the peripheral for our lives, we want to worship him and put him at the very center above all else. Our hunger for him is demonstrated in our pursuit through prayer and worship and obedience. We want to see His will accomplished on this earth, His kingdom come, His will be done. As a people, we're creating a family and a place with whom He's pleased to dwell. It's time to build. Not that it's a competition, but you're already doing way better than first service. <laughs> so here's the question. When we, when we talk about presence, we're talking about a person. We're talking about the fact that we want God himself at the center. You know, we build buildings and set up programs and structures, but all of it is that we're facilitating God first, Right? So practically, how we do it? I don't need to talk about Sunday morning. Clearly, that's a part of our rhythm and part of our pursuit. And so outside of that, I just want to introduce you to the focuses of the year. And really, I need to start with prayer. You know, with each of these topics, when we got into it around the table with our ministry heads, we really wrestled with each of them because we didn't want to come up with anything that just sounded like a nice idea, but wasn't actually core and central to who we were as individuals and also as a staff. And so when we got into the presence topic, we like, let's not just say the word presence and not know what it is that we're talking about. So what does the scripture say? And what are the keys? And, and we started doing that and, and getting around and around. And really we boiled all the way back to at the core of a God-pursuing life is such a center on prayer. Amen. Amen. To a level that there was a conviction that fell even on our own individual prayer lives, a conviction that fell where we needed to restructure even our prayer rhythm as a staff. Because we're like, if we say that we believe this, then this has got to be demonstrated that we build based on a dependency on prayer right? It, you know, right at the time that this conviction was coming, I walked into Nathan and Marissa's house and right on their counter was the book, How to Pray by Pete Gregg, who, who runs a 24-7 prayer movement. And I'm like, I need this book. Time to become a baby again in this topic. And I just want to read you something from there. Before launching out in public ministry, Jesus fasted more than a month in the wilderness. Before choosing his 12 disciples, he prayed all night. When he heard the devastating news that his cousin John had been executed, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. After feeding the 5,000, he was understandably tired, but his response was to climb a mountain to pray. 
When the pressures of fame threatened to crush him, Jesus prayed. When facing his own death in the Garden of Gethsemane, bleeding with fear, failed by friends, he prayed. Even during the unimaginable hours of torment upon the cross, Jesus cried out to the one who had apparently forsaken him. It is neither a peripheral theme nor an optional extra for the desperate and the devout. It does not belong to some other time in history nor to some other type of person more spiritual or disciplined or experienced than you or me. Prayer is nothing at all unless it is a matter of vast and all-consuming importance for every one of us. And you'll be hearing more about this topic You know, for us, there's this burning intensity around this topic, but we're going, okay, let's start, let's start to build. And so for us, that is the Thursday night gathering. We've had a Thursday night gathering called The Burn that we're really looking to re-put strength into and highlight. And so at the beginning of the year, there was a season where the, the staff and the elders got together over a course of three weeks and we prayed and we worshiped together. And that time was amazing and it was so powerful and we really felt like the Lord spoke. And since then we've said, we wanna do that again. We wanna do that more. And so the first Thursday of every month, we've committed for the staff and the elders to go after that together. We're calling it just prayer and worship night. We decided not to give it any other fancy name. Let's just call it what it is. And you know, if you wanna join us for any of them, I'd encourage you to join us on that one. And start by, man, let's step into the importance and centrality of prayer together as a family, not just for the family, but for the family and for the valley. But honestly, if you can, every Thursday night, there is a faithful group of prayer warriors who know how to pray. And it's okay if you're not used to it. And it's okay if it makes you uncomfortable. But we want prayer to be so central to who we are that I would just really encourage you to dive into that opportunity. Um, Something else that we're doing that, that I think is super fun is something called the Encounter Room. And that actually launched this week, this hour. It's happening right back there right now. And you know, we believe that God heals, right? Do we believe in miracles? I asked this first service and I was amazed at the response. How many people have actually received some form of miracle in their life? Right, look around real quick. That's a lot. And we believe that God heals, we believe that He speaks, we believe that He moves. And what we wanna do is make sure we're constantly facilitating the opportunity for that. That we're, we're pulling on heaven on behalf of one another in this family. And so we have a group of people back there um, during the 11 o'clock service every week who are there to serve you. If you want prayer, if, you just got, if you're looking for healing, if whatever it is, there's a people that are prayed up and they're ready. And my encouragement would be that you come to first service and still take a part of this and then go. And let's just see what God wants to do in the middle of this family, right? But the other thing that I would really encourage you is they're gonna have a training in November for people who wanna be involved to pray for people. And I'll tell you this, my greatest testimonies, if you were to ask me, you know, what are your greatest testimonies in the Lord? I'm not, the testimonies that I'm gonna tell you are not actually gonna be the ones where um, something happened to me. My favorite ones are the ones where I got to be a part of praying for something that happened to somebody else. You know, 
I got to be a part of praying for a blind person once who got their sight back. Those are the kind of testimonies that become like life-changing moments. And so I would encourage you when it comes to that kind of thing, like, yes, go and be a, go and ask for a miracle for yourself, but I think on a greater level, position yourself to be a part of miracle for somebody else. It will change your life. So they're going to have a training for that coming up in November. So another thing that we're going to intentionally start doing is every first and third Sunday of the month, our gatekeepers, aged children, are going to join us in worship. And I need you to know, good, right? I need you to know that that's very intentional. And, and, and something happened. Um, my son is in sixth grade now, and he went to the middle school camp this summer where they had middle schoolers from all over the valley come. And they had worship, I think, morning and night every time, which, you know, can sometimes be challenging at that age. And yet the youth from here engaged in such a way. We had kids on their faces. We had kids' hands raised. We had kids just encountering the Lord. And there was another adult in the room who turned to Gabe and said, how do you get your kids to worship like that? And... And what I want to tell you is Courtney and Renee and the team back there have really invested in training our kids to encounter the presence of the Lord, and they know how to worship, and we've got some things to learn from them. And we want them to be included to worship as part of this family. And so first and third Sundays every month, look, if it takes some time to train your kids to be a part of the gathering and know how to do it, that's fine. And they're going to work back there on doing them. But we feel like it's important that we demonstrate this is family. Okay? And then the final thing is we've got some key events that are lined up for you. And what this really is about is like that because we want to grow our God-centered life, we have called people who we know and anointed in certain areas um, and things that we believe that our family could really benefit from to come and impart what they carry to this family. So the first one that we have coming up is Steve Backlin coming. He's coming in October. And that we're hosting a conference called Life Changing Beliefs on October 11th and 12th. Now, there's a reason. We're not just hosting conferences because it's what you do. Here's what we know is what you believe determines the outcome of your life. Do we believe that? Otherwise, I've got that message to preach too. Proverbs says, as a man thinks in his heart... So is he. What you believe determines who you are and what comes out of your life. And if we're going to build God-centered lives foundationally, it really matters what we believe about God and what we believe about ourselves. And Steve Backlin carries an anointing for that like belief type stuff more than about anybody I've ever seen. He carries an anointing to raise the level of what you believe. And what he says is we don't want to just act like Jesus. We want to believe like Jesus. So it's very intentional that he's coming. We think he's got something that, that powerful to impart to this family that's going to cause us to grow. Then, then after that, in January 10th, um, the weekend of January 10th through the 12th, we have Philip and Amy Ward coming. Do you guys know Philip and Amy Ward? And we're going to do what's called an encounter weekend. 
An encounter weekend is designed to do kind of what the name calls, which, and it's this, the encounter weekend, we used to do them a long time ago, and man, were they powerful. It was one of our favorite things that we did as a church. But they're designed to take you through an encounter with the cross and an encounter with what happened at the cross, right? So grace and forgiveness and the overcoming victory of the cross. And then an encounter with the Father heart of God that establishes identity as his beloved child. And then an encounter with the Holy Spirit that activates you and empowers you into destiny. That's what an encounter we, does that sound like fun? Yeah, I'm thinking you should be there. Um, and, and the reason that we invited Philip and Amy is that honestly, when we looked around and said, who carries that? It was them. Amy travels around the world teaching and imparting Holy Spirit. Philip has got a powerful message on overcoming and finding identity and destiny. So we're super excited about that. And then we have another spring event. We'll have another spring key event that we're working on finalizing right now. So details will come out of that in dates as soon as we have them. Does that sound good? Does that sound good? Now, those events are, are really connected to our discipleship plan, so I'm going to roll into talking about discipleship, which we're going to kick off with another video. We have felt a strong call to have a central focus on discipleship. From Scripture, we are to be disciples, and we are to make disciples. That truth must be held in front of us as a primary call on our lives. We want to build Jesus-shaped lives. Building this Jesus-shaped life is an intentional shift. We are immersed in a world that's constantly pushing us to conform, to lose heart, to stay small. We need to be a people being shaped by the Father's love gaining personal freedom and power through putting his words to work in our lives. We desire to create environments where others are invited on the same journey. This is what discipleship looks like. We believe that discipleship can best thrive in the strength of community. At Northgate, we feel a call to not only celebrate God in corporate assemblies, but also to disciple in every gathering, whether in a church building cafe or a home. The emphasis is to intentionally grow together as followers of Jesus while inviting others to follow him with us. It's time to build. Who knows that we can have great moments with God? Yeah? You know, as we have great moments with God and we see clearly in a moment or we get revelation or we get a word, but who knows that it also takes time and intentionality to build revelation into the fabric of our lives so that we actually live out of it, right? And we believe that the cross is transformational in nature, that when we get saved and then we walk through the process of being transformed. And there's a glory to glory to glory thing that should be happening in every one of our lives. And here's the thing. We put God at the center, but the more that we look at him, the more we become like him. And the more that we shape our lives after Jesus, the more the burning passion comes in us to form spiritual community and disciple people around us. 
Yes. Yes. Were we supposed to do this alone? No. And so we want to get really intentional about building rhythms of discipleship into this house where we form not just in the large gathering like this, but where we're forming into smaller groups because there's something that happens in smaller groups where you rub and you wrestle and you pull out the best, right? So in talking about those key events, along with them, we're rolling out something called Grow Tribes. Now that... (laughs) Now, this is based on, we actually ran an experiment through summer a little bit. Some of you might have been part of it, but we ran Grow Tribes through summer with some of our women. Out of our women's advance, we saw that there was a lot of questions that were around healthy relationships and how do we do healthy marriages? And so we said, hey, let's do a relationships course together. And I was hoping that we would have about 20 women sign up. We had 70 who committed to doing it through the summer, and not everybody was able to do it all the way. But as we went, we evaluated, and we were like, hey, what worked and what didn't work? Because we're going to do this again. Because the goal is, is that we're going to come into these moments, and we're going to receive certain things, like let's say from what Steve carries, this real challenge. Hey, what I believe is super, super important. Then outside of that, we want to give you the opportunity to work it out so that it's actually built into who you are and so that it actually begins to change us. And so, for example, the way we're going to do it with Steve is Steve has a 40-day devotional called Igniting Faith. It goes after belief system after belief system after belief system. So we're going to pick up that book. Whether you come to the conference or not, you're going to get invited to join a grow tribe. There'll be men's groups, there'll be women's groups, there'll be couples or families groups. Right now is not when I'm going to give you the details. I just want you to know this is happening. And we're going to pick up that devotional and we're going to go through it and then we're going to meet together and we're going to ask each other the hard questions. What is challenging you? What do you think God is speaking to you? Where do you feel like you need to change? How do you want this outworked in your life? How can I help you? Do you want me to pray for you? Because we want to intentionally grow together as a tribe, right? And so we'll do that. And and those grow tribes will run for about a six-week rhythm. And then January will come. And we'll all come to the encounter weekend And then out of that, we'll launch Grow Tribes again. And we'll go again. And we'll do another round of growing and putting it to work in our life. And then spring will come. And we'll do it again. And I just want you to get a vision for where you could be by the end of the school year if you intentionally pursued with your family building growth into your life. Does that sound good? Okay. Um. And so something else that, that um, is really important in the discipleship rhythm of this house is our ownership community. How many people in here are part of ownership community? Good job. And, and, you know, we've talked about it a lot, but ownership community is just a group of people who are signing up and saying we're willing to contribute to owning a Sunday morning. And they take one Sunday a month and they come early. They come at eight o'clock and they pray and they set up and they serve in some capacity. And then during second service, they go back and meet together and, and there's discipleship and community that happens around the word. And, you know, I had somebody who said to me over summer, they were like, 
you have 50 people from your church come before service, like at eight o'clock to set up, that doesn't happen. And I'm like, I know, but it happens here. And ownership community is just a great place of like, I, I love it, it's scriptural. Every joint supplies, right? Every joint supplies. And so that's a hugely important to the rhythm of what you do, what we do. And I, I encourage you, it's never too late to sign on and get involved in that. And then as a part of discipleship, we do, and, and this is what you know, we have our men's ministry. They have men's breakfast on the third Saturday of every month. I encourage you to get along to that. That's They get strength and they encourage each other. We have a women's ministry called Feast that meets around every other month. And we have our first women's night on the 20th of September. And we're going to have a worship and prophetic night. We're just going to go after it, okay? So women, that's the advertisement will come up for that. But I'm telling you right now, September 20th. There might be 10 of us there by the sounds of it, but that will be fun. Youth ministry meets Sunday evenings. I've got a phenomenal program that's happening there. Your youth team is amazing. And then our kids ministry that happens back there on Sundays. So that's all a part of the bigger picture of discipleship because we want to grow to become like Jesus. Okay? So that leads me to outreach. The time is coming where churches no longer measure success by the numbers that attend the gathering on a Sunday, but by the impact they have on their city. We know from Proverbs that the blessing that rests on the righteous influences a city and lifts it higher. Our presence in this valley should be releasing peace and prosperity. As believers, we must take ownership of the community we live in. This is our community and we aim to govern it from the heavenly places. What is the dream of God over our valley? How can we partner with him to see his kingdom manifest in practical ways? As we draw close to God's heart, we become increasingly broken over poverty, addiction, illness, loneliness, abuse, and neglect. His heart beats for the hurting and broken, so our heart must beat the same. Our valley is a target for the love of God that sets free, transforms, and makes whole. We are His ambassadors on the earth to bring His solutions into practical problems. It's time to build. for us is an area that's still very much under development. You know, most of it you know and have been involved in our shoe giveaway, which is our bigger event of the year that we do in July, and we're, we're very committed to that. We know it makes a difference. And with Kath Umfried at the helm, I think it will probably continue to grow until we probably have a full-on fear on our property. Um, she's already in action for next year. Valley blessing is something is another thing that we take part of with the network of churches, um, and that's this year the Saturday before Thanksgiving, where we go and we give out meals to those who, families who need help, and that's another important target for us. Um, so there'll be more information coming up on that. 
And then outside of that, the majority of our outreach efforts until now have really been involved in partnership with great organizations in our valley who are doing amazing things. Royal Family Kids, Set Free, Carry the Cure, Connect House. Like there's a lot. We actually have some great services in this valley and we continue to partner and we continue to support and champion those, definitely. But in the last one or two years, we really got impacted by what as, where as Northgate should we point our time and our resources in this valley? Like there is so much need, there's so many places we could go. And so we really started the process of prayer into God, where should we intentionally position ourselves to, to serve? We need to show up as a body and start serving. And as the process happened and as we were praying that through together, Dennis really came to us and he said, I just, I feel called to the school district. I feel called to the school district. And so we said, okay. And we started praying into that. And, and then out of, and, and the shoe giveaway, to be honest, came out of a question to the school district. What, are we, what do you need? And they said, our kids need gym shoes. And we said, okay, we've got it. And then, you know, through the process of Dennis doing a funeral for one of the principals that happened, which, you know, is a glory that came out of a hard situation, was them coming back and saying, Dennis, we want you to be our chaplain. And so when the school superintendent stood up here a couple weeks ago and we got to pray over her at the beginning of the year and she announced that over Dennis publicly, that's actually been a process of sowing into relationship and prayer that started over a year ago. And so what we really feel now is we want to point our energy and our resources at intentionally serving the school district. And we've gone to them and we've said, what do you need? And they said, we don't know. Nobody's ever asked us that question before. And we said, that's okay. Because you know what? We'll figure it out. And so what we've started to do, and this is what's now building in us, it's why I'm saying it's very much under development, is we looked around and said, well, what can we identify that you need? Which is why a group of men went out a few weeks ago and took care of the cross-country trails at Colony. It was a seen point of need. And we're just going to continue to look at how can we serve. We're continuing to build relationship. We're continuing to build relationship at Matsu Health Foundation, who also very much cares about the kids in our community. And we know that there's more coming. I just want you to know that that's where the intentionality of our hearts are pointing. Does that sound good? And I just want to read you something that's, you know, we'd been in this process for a year probably, and we're just getting to the point that we know that this is what we know, that this is what we know. And this article, I heard it read on a podcast, and it's about Bethel Church in Reading, but it felt like it so confirmed that our hearts were chasing the right thing. This is an article that was in the San Francisco Chronicle. So it was in a newspaper in a different city. I want to read this. This is the title of the article. Is this heaven or Reading? The Shasta County city of 91,000 is home to a church Bethel with 11,000 members and a commitment to community so intense, it's almost supernatural. No institution in our state is better at engaging with their hometown. 
While the experts say that civil engagement is supposed to be strategic, planned, and targeted at specific issues, Bethel's engagement with Reading is big and broad, touching almost every aspect of civil life. It is not grounded in the language of activism, but instead in the celebration of love, the love of God and of the place they live and of the people in that place. The lack of structure in their assistance to its hometown suggests a broader lesson for community building. Stop overthinking things and throw yourself heart and soul into addressing the needs of this people. When Reading Civic Centre was failing, Bethel helped put together a non-profit to fix its management. When the police department was going to lay off some officers, Bethel raised money to keep the cops on. After the fire destroyed more than a thousand residences last summer, they gave a thousand dollars to every family church member who had lost a home, whether they were a member of their church or not. Bethel inspires service with two big messages. First, it teaches that through God, individuals can triumph over challenges and experience miracles. Second, the church constantly celebrates Reading and highlights the opportunity to join the community projects. And this is a quote from the mayor. Bethel really encourages everyone to take ownership of the area, to live your faith in a way that is felt, says Mayor Julia Winter. So why not start a business? Why not volunteer to make the city amazing? Why not, as in my case, run for city council? Threading Bethel's growth has raised public concerns about whether the church is trying to take over the town. But many view Bethel as heaven sent. It's another quote. Its theology may be a little strange, but where would the city be without it? And then this is from the police chief. Usually when my phone rings, somebody wants something from me, says police chief Roger Moore. But when they call, it's always to ask if we need anything. They have never asked me for anything. So, you know, we are not them, and they are way down that road, but we just feel the intentionality to point our hearts and point our resources and point our people towards serving the city. Okay? So, there's one more big thing that we're doing this year. Got one more video for you. Isaiah 42. 9 and 10, the former things have come to pass. Behold, I proclaim new things to you. Sing to the Lord a new song. And the Lord says that that whiteboard, just erase that whiteboard. We're not doing any of the pros. We're not doing the cons. We're doing the God thing. We're doing a new thing, a God thing. And you've been planting for years and you're like, nothing grows here. Alaska, I don't know what's going on. And it's going to spring up suddenly and there's going to be you know, I didn't coin this, but somebody once said, it takes a long time for God to act suddenly. <laughs> and I feel like that's going to be your motto next year. You're going to be like, you're like, wow, that happened right away. And you're like, actually, it was 14 and a half years. We've been planting and we've been watering and we've been fertilizing. And then it just popped up and it's going to pop up so quickly. It's going to spring forth so quickly. When Chris gave that word, we discovered it was exactly 14 and a half years since we first started pursuing a building project. So we know that the Lord is speaking, and we've come to a sudden moment. We must have the courage to move forward in faith and follow His voice. There's a quote that says, All good men and women must take responsibility to create legacies that will take the next generation to a level we could only imagine. What makes us Northgate Alaska family is not only what we've done in the past, but what we are committed to in our future. 
It is time to build a facility that will allow us to facilitate the vision the Lord has given us. We believe in heaven coming to earth and our ability to create and steward a place where the presence of God dwells. We see a venue where we train and equip this family, raise up future generations, and build a legacy and inheritance for them on this land. We agree that the Lord is speaking. It is time to move. This is the first phase of more to come to build towards the full dream that is on our hearts. We are dreaming of how to use this building to serve the community and how to further develop our property in a way that champions the health of our valley. We know that God is going to move as we advance in faith. It is time to build. It's 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 time to build. Why don't, why don't you stand up? When you say this, it's time to build. <laughs>